You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Let's talk about this just a minute on a very simple level. Maybe in your neighborhood, but possibly in a community a few miles from your place, in an upscale gated community with amenities you don't have, there's a place that's better than what you have. But beyond that, you want it, and you think you deserve it, and it drives you crazy that you don't have it, and you think about it every time you drive by that place. That's covetousness. You have a friend, and his wife looks better than your wife, and she seems to be brighter, and you compare your wife to his wife, and as those thoughts race through your mind in a recurring cycle, that's covetousness. You know people who have servants and housekeepers and chauffeurs and assistants and gardeners. But you have to do all that. And it's hard. But they have all that help. And you hate it. You resent it. That's covetousness. Now, the next part of the verse perhaps isn't that relevant to us today. I have no desire to have an ox or a donkey. I don't think donkeys are permitted in our apartment. However, when you bring the passage into modern application, you might insert into this your neighbor's truck, your neighbor's income, your neighbor's social connections, your neighbor's popularity. It just eats you up inside that they have what you don't have, and you're bitter about it, and that's covetousness. It deprives you of sleep and peace, and it just comes back in your mind all the time and nags at you. Why do they have it? And I really deserve it. Covetousness is a toxic sin that will eat you up inside and never do you any good. You want what you don't have that your neighbor or friend has. And that desire is just rehearsed in your mind over and over. And with each recurring flash of resentment, covetousness does a little more damage to your attitude and your relationship with people and your relationship with God. Covetousness is a greedy, selfish, deceitful, and most of all, a forbidden attitude by God. And He is displeased. It is a sin of the heart that nobody else may ever see unless you state it or you exhibit it through some overt means like theft or violence or fraud. 
The Ten Commandments said, Do not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. House, wife, job, income, truck, acclaim. If it isn't yours, don't drive yourself into a cavity of resentment because you don't have it and they do. Such thoughts are forbidden by God. And those recurring thoughts will destroy your peace of mind and can negatively influence how you deal with people. So I've prepared a study of four passages for us today on this important subject. Starting with Mark 7, verses 21 through 23. Mark 7, 21 through 23. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. So, where is this sin located? Remember I said a moment ago, nobody else may ever see it but the Lord. But it comes from within. And that's where it must be conquered. If covetousness isn't resisted here and put away, if it is nurtured and fed it can lead to violence and insults or something else overt as it becomes visible. But even if it never becomes visible and results in those activities, if it rests in the heart, it destroys you. Even though it can't be seen by man, it is seen by God and He's displeased. From within, things that come from within, still deadly. I must never deceive myself into thinking that if nobody can see it, it's okay. God sees everything inside me, and when I covet, God knows it, and I'm guilty, and I'm defiled, and I'm accountable to Him. It comes out of the heart. So that's where this sin must be identified and put away through our diligent use of God's Word as applied to our hearts. In James 1, 22-25, James 1, 21-25, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being a hearer, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. 
Covetousness comes from within and is conquered there when the Word is learned, heard, and done, applied. I hope we're using God's Word to identify this sin and be warned about it, and should we see any of it in us, even in small measure, repent and guard against it in the future. Because if that seed of covetousness is allowed to stay there, it's going to grow. In your mind, install a strong guardrail so that you don't slip off the side into the ditch of covetousness. Romans 1, 28 through 32. Romans 1, 28 through 32. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Romans 1, 28 through 32. You know what the Apostle Paul is doing in these opening chapters in Romans? He's demonstrating why we need the gospel. The whole problem is sin. He is specific, and in that list there is covetousness. Right there in between evil and malice. It is not of God. It comes from within, and nothing in this list in either Romans 1 or Mark 7 will do any good for us. No good contribution is made to our well-being by evil, malice, or covetousness, or anything else in these lists. We need the gospel because of these sins. These are steps away from the Creator. We are weakened by these things. They not only take us away from the Creator, they destroy relationships and rob us of peace of mind. Covetousness is from within, and whether seen by others or not, here it is in this list of attitudes showing separation from God. Luke twelve, fifteen. And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Be on your guard. That's the idea. Take care. Let's call this a warning. I used this expression earlier. Install the guardrails so you don't fall off into the ditch of covetousness. Have you ever noticed the warning labels 
all over the products that we purchase. I don't know of an item you can purchase without a product label that contains a warning. Years ago, Reader's Digest had a whole list of warnings on product labels. And some of them indicate that maybe those who buy these products are not so smart. On a wheelbarrow, not intended for highway use. On a baby stroller, remove child before folding. I don't know how dumb they think consumers are. Well, Jesus knows perfectly that we need warning labels. We need warnings all through life. Guard against all covetousness. Your neighbor's house, wife, truck, job, income, house, all of it, in whatever form, whatever the object of that ill-conceived desire, take care, he said. And then he attaches something very important to the warning. One's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. He's got more than I do. So what? You've got more than somebody else. So what? Life isn't about having, owning, claiming, boasting, comparing, competing. It's not about what you have. Life is about who you are. Not how many toys, promotions, or donkeys, or awards, or money. No, it's all about your relationship with God, your response to Jesus Christ, therefore your service to your neighbors, even the neighbors who have better houses. When we ignore the warnings Jesus gave, we place ourselves in very dangerous places. We run from moral truth and we connect ourselves to what is temporal and worldly and misdirected. James 4 and verse 2. You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. (coughs) Now, Wait a minute, James. Covetousness is one thing, but I'm not going to kill anybody. I may, do, I may do a little coveting, but I have no plans to fight and quarrel or murder. Just imagine you are a criminal investigator or a prosecutor, and you ask the fighter or the murderer Where did this crime start? And the confession is, I wanted something I didn't have. Desire, greed, jealousy, envy, revenge. I let all of that into my mind. I coveted what I didn't have. And I fed that covetousness. I rehearsed it and thought about it with greater and greater intensity. You covet, you didn't get what you wanted, you couldn't have it. James says you fight and you may kill. 
if not literal murder, covetousness can take you to spiritual death. Now, in contrast to covetousness, there is contentment. It seems like society is determined to destroy our sense of contentment. Advertising bombards us with the message, you don't have enough stuff. You need more stuff. You need better stuff. And we've got the products. There are all these things that would make your life so much better. And we've got all these things for you. Your life just can't be complete without these items I pulled up from Amazon. A $10,000 hair dryer. A digital ice cube maker. $760. And it makes only one ice cube at a time. A $370 bookmark. Orpheus headphones, $55,000. The first house we ever bought was less than that. Headphones. Modern advertising stimulates covetousness. You don't have this, but you need it. You don't have everything you need. There are things we have to sell to you, and no matter the price tag, you've got to have this. Advertising stirs up a hunger for us to have things we don't need, can't afford, and won't use very long. But maybe the folks next door have a $10,000 hairdryer. Now, I do understand that extravagance does not have a concrete objective definition, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And here's the point. God calls us to be people of discipline across all the dimensions and levels of life. He calls us to be people of discipline across all the dimensions and levels of life. So let's circle back. To what Moses said, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Four things, and I'll conclude. Four things we can do to keep us away from covetousness. Be grateful for what you have may not be the same as what this guy has. may be more than what this guy has. Be grateful for what you have. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The Thanksgiving holiday will be here in a few days. Don't wait until then to be thankful and be thankful after you have the turkey. Gratitude refreshes the heart and protects you against covetousness. Consistently embrace gratitude. Love your neighbor. Romans 13, 9 
You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet or any other commandment as summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If your neighbor has a better house, rejoice. Love your neighbor as yourself. That kind of gratitude and love comes right from God. Be content. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You you know, for Christians, our accounts are full. We have such an abundance of grace that we access through Christ. Care, guidance, and hope (coughs) that money could never buy. Our Father says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Our accounts are full. Trust God, therefore. Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. And did you know that covetousness is idolatry? Colossians 3 and verse 5. I read this story one time that serves a good place to conclude. This man in the area near Detroit stepped out into his backyard and looked up. And two eagles were in deadly combat fighting over a fish one of them had lifted from the lake. The fish was injured somewhat, but fell back into the lake and survived. The birds continued their struggle and fell to their death side by side. Jesus said, guard against covetousness, James said, you covet but cannot have, so you fight and kill. May it not be so with any of us. Trust God and enjoy what He gives you. Let's be standing as we sing.